Hello, we would like to apologize to you all for any audio issues. We had a few technical difficulties in this episode. However, we hope you enjoy. Hello, everybody. Welcome back to another episode of Foreign Football Forecast. I'm your co-host, Patrick, joined by the excellent co-host, Harris. Harris, how you doing, mate? I'm doing pretty good. Hi, everyone. Uh, happy to have you on our podcast, Foreign Football Forecast, today. And uh, we are bringing you today someone very special. Uh, number one is my cousin, so I'm excited to and proud to introduce him. But uh, second one, he's someone who has a vast experience in 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 the beautiful game of football as a, as a player, uh, as a coach, you know. And uh, he has touched all aspects of the games, and especially all internationally in different on different continents. So I'd like to introduce you, Mr. Kofi Ramo Badohun. Hi, Ramo. How are you doing, brother? Hi, hi, I'm doing good. How's everybody? Thanks, Patrick, for having me in this call. Always excited to, to talk about football, not soccer, but football, all right? Yes. Yeah. So I'm here to share whatever can click and inspire people. Or if anything else, entertain them and take them into different worlds and planets and imaginary world, whatever that might be. So yeah, I am. Thank you, and thanks for bring, saying that and bring that up because that's the that's the mission and purpose of our podcast is to to help people travel around the world, discover different countries and culture through soccer. And uh, you are the person who represent that the most with your international background from being <laughs> African, European, and American. <laughs> you know, like uh, we cannot ask for better. So, uh, so yeah, Ramo. Actually, let's get, let's get started. I wanted to. Uh, to 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 get on go back into your itinerary and journey as a soccer player. So as a, as a, when you started in youth, you know number one, what interesting you about the games, and uh, tell us more about you know how you started from Togo and then moved to France and played in France. All right. So first of all, back in Africa, as you know, soccer keep us occupied. Um, we don't have any other mean of entertainment. It's not like we have video game playing out like, you know, when you, you spend time with some wealthy family, then maybe yes. Um, but back in the day when I was, uh, my little small time of Badu, uh, in the mountain, you know, we don't have anything else. So soccer was a very good game where you can play for your friend and people. Um, so that helped us to, to spend time uh, where sometimes we don't have soccer ball and we will buy like a, a rubber, rubber one or sometimes we take like a pamplemousse, uh, orange, or we take all the trash plastic and we suck <laughs> them together. Then we found a rubber band like this one and we try to wrap all the rubber band around the plastic and give it some kind of some kind of bouncing, you know, because when yeah. you put a bunch of rubber band together, it end up like so, so that was a soccer ball. And sometimes we will go in, like in the market, we take a, some of my friends will steal the tenants, the rubber band that they used to do all kind of different activities that they make business where we will steal them to make our soccer ball. So it was very exciting. And um, sometimes we don't, yeah, we don't really have a time. So we will play all day long. Sometimes we skip school to play and they just give us joy, I think. That's why I keep doing this thing for now because I feel like uh, 
it was more way for us to get together, you know. It wasn't mm-hmm. so much about the sport. We were just looking for uh, something that's going to unite us together. And then if you're going to bring competitive environment, that's even better. And it's cheap. You know, we can easily afford it. <laughs> so, you know, we don't need it. We don't need any material. All we have to do, you know, we put our soccer shoes. Sometimes we don't have shoes, but we put our regular shoes to make a goal. Uh, we put our school backpack to make a goal with them. And then we will just play forever. Sometimes you will start like 30, 40 people. And then you make two teams. And if you lose, you know, 2-0, two, two, two you're out for five minutes again or 10 minutes again. And whichever team wins, stays. So you can imagine a competitor because if you lose, because there's so many people, you're not coming back anytime soon. So you better win. And then so that just kind of grew all the aspect of what we all know soccer to be, football to be worldwide. It's like that tremendous unity, you know, togetherness, togetherness, competition. Friendless, you know, you're, you're opening or not, your enemy. It's like they're your friend, that's worship man, but we're so competitive. There's no hatred. It's just love, 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 love. So, obviously, as you know, some of you who do psychology, you can imagine that anything we associate ourselves with, and then we either stay away from them or we get close to them, depending on what kind of experience it brings us. Whether it's uh, if it brings us pain, you want to stay away, right? But if you bring your joy, you want to stay closer. So then before you know it, soccer has turned into be a positive association. You know, when I see soccer, I don't see soccer. I mean, I keep saying soccer because that's what stuck in my mouth here in the yeah, United States. Yeah, that's correct. You know? <laughs> <laughs> it's football, right? So, so then I was playing there, I, you know, just keep loving it. And then before I know, I become really good. I can kick the ball far away. So then there's a, um, rich people that run business in the Togo. We call them Alaji. So usually they're Muslim. That, they're Muslim that went to Mecca. You know, I don't know if you guys know about Mecca. Yep, yep. They go for the, for the pilgrimage. So when they come back from that pilgrimage, they call them Alaji. And usually they have money. And so because, you know, as you know, until today, all the rich people like to bet on things, <laughs> you know, they like to compete among themselves. So we, the soccer player, will become, we become object of the betting. <laughs> so they will put us together to play games. So this Alaji will bet this team and then he will bet against his uh, friend Alaji and they say, okay, I'm going to win the game. <laughs> and they will put money, you know? So obviously, just like a Champions League, I mean, let's be honest. You know, why the Qatarian buy PSG and why, you know, they buy Manchester City to make more money? That's just the reality of the game. And then so everywhere, that money aspect makes it more interesting and more competitive because there's something to lose. Yeah, bring so more will go, games. Exactly. So this guy will go and then recruit a lot of players from like all kind of places to form the dream squad to, to win <laughs> <laughs> and then make more money. So then... So, well, so Ramo, sorry yeah. to interrupt, but does that mean they created yeah. a tournament in Baru and the, every large has a team like competing? 
Yeah, it's not even tournament. It's not even tournament. It's just friendly game and they bet the money on it. Like, this, this Aladdin will call this Aladdin from this village. So we will travel there and they will just play friendly game. That's it. Wow. So they will put like 10 grand, 100,000. Their money over there, and as you know, back then, Togo ten thousand is a big deal, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, <laughs> That's like twenty dollars as a as a reference for audience. Yeah, and then uh, let alone one hundred thousand. One hundred thousand is like now we say two hundred dollar, right? So yep. it, it was kind of big deal. Um, so then we will play, and my team usually win because when we do win, the Alaji will give us money. You know, you can ask my mom to be like, I remember I will bring like a, a thousand dollar, which is like huge in manga. That's like one dollar, by the way. <laughs> uh, so I was already professional. So as a player, I just didn't know it. You know, I mean, what's the definition of professional? Somebody who makes a living out of something, right? Exactly. Yeah. So, so then I will bring the money to my mom. Like, what do you find? I said, well, this I lied. You give it to me. I'm like, let me guess. You've been playing soccer again? I said, yeah. So then I tell you to quit playing soccer. Yeah, right. Like I'm gonna listen to that. <laughs> <laughs> so anyway, so that's kind of like how it began from little village, and then um, then I moved to my uh, I moved to uh, uh, how you call it um, that's right. to to my 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 native town, Kavie, where my dad is from. Then I play for my middle school. Um, so anyway, I mean, the Togo story itself is just like a book on his own. So I mean, it just, yeah. I just give you guys the short version <laughs> of it. So, and so, then I moved to Chevy. I stopped playing for my school and, you know, I just keep loving. I get beat up a lot um, by soccer, you know, for, for doing soccer. That's okay. I mean, you know, it's the pen that's worth it because I love the game so much. And then I moved to Lome and then, you know, moved to... Stay in my uncle's house to play soccer, and then I finally moved to my cousin's house. You know, my cousin, Iris, dad is doing well back then. So, you know, for me, it's a huge change. I was like, you know, you have this little Iris, you know, he was like my, my protege. Uh, I actually have a picture of him and me, you know. He loved me. I love him. I got his back. I remember we used to do karate anyway. Oh, yeah. I was in uh, his, his mom's house and all that. And so now they give me money because uh, for me, the progression now is like I'm living, a, you know, a good lifestyle, you know, quote unquote, you know. <laughs> so I, have a, I have money, you know, I get allowance every month, which I used to not have. And, you know, so just me and Harris, and, you know, he was too young to you know what the heck I was about anyway, but. It doesn't matter, you know. He's trying to play, but not so much. He was more interested in the movie and karate, you know. <laughs> yeah, I want to go play soccer. I want to go play soccer, and uh, and when I came back, my aunt or uh, my uncle, they were like get mad, and uh, sometimes I get punished and all that. But it doesn't matter. I mean, I'm repeating the same thing tomorrow. <laughs> so, uh, so then, uh, because I was blessed to be in a family where you know, they're doing okay. They don't, you know, they don't like anything. So they bless me with their own blessing. So, so I will have money. They will give me uh, $6. Okay, 3000 So yeah, that's uh, 1000 Actually, 1000 is $2. Yeah, sorry. 
for the conversion. One thousand is two dollars, so four thousand, uh, three thousand that's six dollars. So yeah. then I will, I will get six 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 dollars every month. But I don't really need that money to be honest with you because it was for my food. But there's food in the house. I can eat in the house every day. <laughs> all kind of food. So and three thousand was like wow. As soon as I found out I was gonna get three thousand, I was like hmm. I can get soccer shoes. I can buy a lot of soccer balls. Yes. Now I'm going to be the king of soccer in my high school. <laughs> you know? Because even my high school can get soccer ball. So wow. I will just like, you know, so now I'm the guy. I mean, you can ask all my friends and one day going to come on this call. They're going to tell you about it. So I will save the money. Every time I get 3000 I don't spend. Sometimes I get money to go. I get three thousand, and then plus on top of that, I will get some time money to go spend for my food at school. I'm rich. <laughs> I'm, rich. I'm, I'm rich. Like I was already rich just to be getting all this experience. Now you put money to it. It's ah, uh, I'm a millionaire for me. That moment, that, okay. a millionaire right now in the United States. I want you just to pick the, picture the feeling of the millionaire right now in the United States in the real dollar. Yeah. Now, with my 3000 that's how I felt. So you can just imagine the feeling. So then I will go to the supermarket. I will buy soccer ball. I save the money all the time. I buy soccer ball. I got cleats. I got soccer clothes. Because of feeling in Togo, they're bad. It's like sometimes there's a rock in the middle of the field. Sometimes you have a tree in the middle of the field. Like, okay, so I'm coming at you one by one, and if the tree is between us, so I'm like, okay, which one do I go? Do I go to the left of the tree, or do I go to the right of the tree? So I will fix to go to the right of the tree, and then when you're trying to guide me on the other side, boom, I will go to the other side of the tree. All right? So crazy thing like that. So then I will always bring soccer balls. So that being said, because you have tree and rock, that means the soccer ball can be deflated easily anytime, right? So you better have backup. So that was why I was so happy. So I'm the one who always brings soccer balls to the field. And then people will be like, hey, Ramu. And then one is get late, I was going to go. Or somebody, <laughs> sometimes people will shoot a ball. I saw, but my friend, in, um, I have my friend in Chicago. He's like, Ramu, I couldn't believe what you did to us. As soon as somebody takes a heavy shot, you're like, ah. Listen, you guys shooting the ball too hard, so the game is over. <laughs> well, it's so funny you said that because uh, I was just talking about that with a friend on Friday when we were playing tennis. We were like, you remember yeah. when we were a child? When you play something and you lost, you're like, okay, game is over. Give me my shoes back. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. It's like, oh, we were so stupid as a kid. Yes. You're like, give me the ball. Right. And you play with 22 people. You know, your only ball is the one people are playing with. You get tackled one time, you're like, guys, it's over. I'm going home. Hey, give me my ball. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, it's so funny. Yeah, I'm like, ah, oh, listen, man, you guys kicking the ball too high is going to be deflated. You know, why are you hitting so hard? <laughs> so, man, you can't shoot a ball. So, if you have somebody who have a heavy shot, you better not be using it because your game's going to be over quick. <laughs> uh, the, the beauty yeah, of playing soccer in Africa. <laughs> so then I will take the ball and I will go home. And it was all the way like that. I was playing for this club called Assad. Uh, 
uh, stand for Assemblée des Armées de Dieu, so Assemblée of the Army of God. Um, so then they had to change their name to Asher Merlin because the president, um, the, the, the government, uh, the military um, guy in Togo, he's like, no, hey, there can only be one army of God. There can only be one army in Togo. Why you call yourself Assembly of uh, Army of God? Uh-uh, you have to change your club's name. <laughs> uh, you cannot call, you cannot call an army because there's only there's only one army in Togo. There can be no two army in Togo. So. Okay, so that's why yeah. you be, they be, you become Asi Asi Merlon. Asi Merlon. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Right. background story. Okay. Yeah. So before it was Assad, A S A D. Yeah. Assembly. Um, the an army, and the uh, assembly sportive, something like that of God. Okay. Right? The G G G for God. You know, G yeah. in French in French. So army, assembly, the G. So then um. Then they change it, uh, sporting something. So then when they're going to play first division, they tell them that no, they cannot use Assad to play in the league. They have to change the name. So that's why they call it, they come out for Asher Merlin, Athletic Club Merlin. So, so that's the club I was playing for. And then I heard that that club usually help people to go to overseas. Like when you're good, they will make recommendations to some professional club and blah, blah, blah. So then I went to my coach. I said, hey, you know, Uh, listen, my dad lives in France, so what about you write me a letter and say I'm good so he can bring me in France? <laughs> <laughs> and he's like, he's like, you're good, but you're not that good. <laughs> you go. <laughs> yeah, he's like, you're not that good, so uh, you're not that good yet. You're good, but not too proud to go to France, so I'm not going to be making a false uh, recommendation for you. So, So forget about it. I was like, oh, yeah, it's worth the try, right? <laughs> so then I just keep on playing. And then my dad decided to draw me to, to France. Um, after, you know, I was with you, with your family. And, and you know, What, what year was that? Was that 1997? No, 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 no. That was in 1992, 93. No, 93. So 93, that's when my... Uh, uh, My dad decided for me to, to come to France. Okay. Um, so they're trying to do a paperwork for me, a Togo passport. And uh, my, uh, your aunt, your mom, my aunt, and my uncle, your dad, they were supposed to help me, but I guess they were too busy also. But it was like a pressure matter, so they couldn't done it on time, you know. So then my dad advised. Uh, uh, a ticket, airplane ticket. And then that ticket expired because I couldn't get a passport on time and then go get my visa in the French embassy so I can go to France. But the problem was like, I was already happy, so I went to my school and I tell everybody I'm leaving, you know how this. I got your mom, your mom had this red motorcycle. I'm, I'm the one who usually rides that motorcycle. I went to school and I started showing up. I was like, yeah, what's up? I'm leaving, you know, driving and being crazy and all that. And then the principal of school was like, who's that? Who's that have the same motorcycle as me? And then somebody was like, oh, it's a, it's a Mr. Ramo Badahun. Like, Why he's coming to school with a motorcycle and make so much noise? They're like, I don't know. And then 
they they asked him to call they called me he asked for somebody to call me so then i went and then he's like whose model is that i said it's my aunt he's like why she give it to you i said why why not <laughs> it's my aunt she can give me whatever she wants <laughs> so like i said she let me just use it i said so you come in here using the same motorcycle i have and showing up that's so disrespectful. I say, uh, no, it's not. <laughs> you know, it's not your. You have your, and I got mine, so you know, I can drive it. So he's like, well, you suspend it, and I was like, go ahead, suspend me. Besides, <laughs> you have to see me before you can suspend me. So peace out. <laughs> so I let get on the motorcycle, and I left. Then a couple of days later, I found out I'm not leaving. This one. <laughs> yeah, like, this one oh, like, oh, crap. I got to go back. <laughs> back to school. <laughs> and this one was like September 93. So I found out I couldn't leave. So, God, this is embarrassing. This <laughs> <laughs> is interesting. Oh, man. Everybody, everybody was like laughing out of me. I got spanked for being. <laughs> for Did he keep the motorcycle? Yeah, okay, it's my auntie's motorcycle, so really it's not mine. So she usually, when she want to send me somewhere to do some stuff for her, some then that's why I get to use it. Yeah, some errand that I get to use. So it's not really mine, but because that day I know I was going to uh, your friend. I just take the motorcycle just to come and show up. <laughs> just gonna be, you know, just so gonna be like, like a little, little knucklehead. <laughs> yeah, just like knucklehead and just being playing a buck for everybody. Right? That's all I was doing. You know, <laughs> I was so excited. I didn't know what to do. So I figured I just go like drive everybody crazy. Yep. But little did I know, I wasn't gonna go anywhere. So anyway, I didn't leave. So that was a very painful experience. So fast forward. My dad decided to um, to spend my I was about um, eleven or something like that, and so my dad decided to uh, to contact uh, my aunt to send out my passport, uh, my picture, my birth certificate, and uh, because he put me on uh, his family plan in France, so I was eligible. The um, twelve years old, so since I was in twelve years. Um, so I was eligible to get French passport for somehow, you know. So, so anyway, so we sent stuff out. So my dad finally go and then to the uh, mayor, the mayor of uh, my town in France, called it Coin. So my dad went and asked for a lot of information, and they found out, yeah, he's like, he's a 12 years old. I said, no, no, he's not 12 years. I was like, okay, perfect. So this was 94. Uh, I was just on the... Uh, um, 11 because it was uh, summer i'm born in september so this was happening around september uh i turned already and so somewhere around october so they're like okay you know you have to act fast and he needs to be here before september 2010 okay so you have to do the paperwork before that day because then he'll be coming um 12 years old in 1995 so you're still in a good time so get it done so anyway, so 
So then we send information, they gave me the paperwork. So fast forward in 1994, so a, uh, a year, going in a year from then, my dad said, okay, uh, around August or so, my dad called my aunt and said, hey, you know, I was able to make Ramo um, a French passport, um, so he should be able to, to come to, um, <clears throat> to France. And my, my, my aunt was like, how? Like, she might have done what? It's a long story. <laughs> it's like, this boy, this boy is like the luckiest kid I know. I don't even know how I did it myself, but all I know is he got French passport and then he's going to be leaving. I was like, so when I hear, I was like, man, I'll be damn. Hey, this is even better than Togo passport. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> you are way better so, than that. <laughs> I know. So I want me no visa. I was like, how silly? I said, you know what? It doesn't matter. Don't question your style. Just just be grateful of uh, your style. Now, you know, he's doing something amazing for you. That's it. So anyway, this was 1994. So actually, yeah, so I, I turned 11 that year. So it was 10 years because I'm 83, so that's 93. So then um, I came. Um, they said that it's this lady that's going to bring my visa and my passport and all that. So I keep waiting. And then this lady, I keep waiting every day. I was sitting in the terrace over there, like I always remember when we do our karate. Yeah, 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 on the patio yeah. outside there. <laughs> yeah, the patio outside right there. So then I was like, every time somebody rings the door, I'm the first one to sprint out to open up the door. But usually, once they ramble, they ring the door, go open up. Ah, I'm not going to go. Why don't you go? Like, we always party who's going to go open up the gate. But this time, as soon as my dad tells me that I have his French passport coming, just don't ring the door. <laughs> you don't ring the door. I'm running. And so my cousin, Aris's sister, they kind of found out that, you know, I was trying to do that. So then one time, they like, they like trying to mess it up with me, and then she went and outside to your grandma's door. Oh, uh, she ring the, the bell. Well, you run like crazy there. <laughs> it was her and uh, it was her, I think, and her and Gloria. And they kind of playing the drill, it's a little. So, anyway, the door. first they ring the door, and then they will run to cross, cross the house. You know that house of that lady that lives next to us? The yeah, 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 like yeah. across the street. Yep, yep, yep. Sheriff. Yeah. And then they, so first, I didn't know. They will ring the door, they will run away. And then they will tell Sharif and then some of the girl crushes to just come and ring the door and then sometimes to ask for like, rent for ice and stuff like that. I said, you kidding me? You guys sell ice. How can you come ring the door to ask for ice when you guys didn't want to sell the ice? Quick, stop ringing this door. Stop ringing this door. Uh, so, yeah, they are messing up with me. So eventually, yeah. But Ramo, tell um, us, tell us, fast forward, so we can come back a little bit on the on the soccer side now. Uh, okay. Right. So anyway, so then that's why um, the lady come. I got my passport, and then um, next thing you know, fly to France. Um, got to France with my dad. My dad didn't love didn't love soccer. So, so anyway, I went to play for. The town called Turquan FC. FC. Okay. Yeah, Turquan. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I want to see one of your games, by the way. Yeah. So then I was playing there because we're right next to my house. 
and then we went to one game, and the next thing you know, my uh, my dad, uh, somebody approached my dad, like, okay, hey, your son is very good. You should take him to last, you know, which is the Lille Olympic Sporting Club. Um, and then so I was like, okay. My dad's like, what is that? And then they're like, well, this is like the professional club in town. Don't you know about it? My dad's like, no, I don't know anything about soccer, so uh, whatever, sure. So then I keep playing games, people keep saying the same thing, so I keep bugging my dad. So you know what, I need to go to, to last. So then um, I went tryout for last. Um, this was back in 1995 or 94. 94. 94. Okay. Okay. Yeah, I, I left it at 94. Man, that was early, man. I thought it was like, man, I thought I was older, man. I used to see you at the house a lot. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. Nice. Yeah. I was yeah. only four. Yeah. Only four yeah. years yeah. old. Yeah. Yeah. Jeez. Nice, yeah. nice, nice. Okay. Uh, so then I got the friends. Um, I was playing. So we went trial for Leeds. And then when we tried, I made a team. Uh, it was David Merez. He was the coach for the under. Was uh, of uh, lust, so he told my dad that okay, I made a team. Um, then what happened is like they changed the coach. Uh, David Merez ended up taking another team. Um, well, that was David Merez's team, but he's not the one who did the trial. Actually, yeah, that's what happened. If I recall that well. So then I made a team by the DOC, the director, who told me I made a team, but then. It was for David Merrick's team. So when David Merrick came, he make he have his own player. So then he reached out to my dad and said, okay, well, uh, sorry, we will need you this year, blah, blah, blah. So I was very devastated. I was so mad and all that. Because uh, I want to go to Los. It's in a professional club. Of so. course, yeah. Mm -hmm. So then I decided to go to AS Wascal, which is like uh, another decent club in, in the area. They used to be in the third division back then. National Bay or National, yeah, I think they were National Bay back then, which is like third, fourth division in France. So my dad say, okay, he's going to find out whatever club compete against Lille, and we're going to go to that club so I can show them how long they are. Hey, you didn't go to Lance? Yes. Lance was far, you know, it's like it's too far for me. That's my dad, true, that's true, yeah. You're going to remember my dad doesn't love soccer, so yeah. you know, he was just doing it to support me. He, he only cared about school, so first of all, he didn't want to drive. So then the next thing he did was uh, we found a club, so I went to uh, Wascal. And then I had a couple of practices with them. I remember with, uh, I was a U13 back then. And then um, they had me play for the U14. And then so they wanted me uh, to come and play a game, a friendly game. So every season they have a friendly game where they will, Wascal will invite like all the leaders uh, category and they play friendly game against each other. So then I came that game and uh, they let me play with the under 14, regional under 14, and we played against the loss. And we lost them to them two to one. And I have a hell of a game. And then loss is like, start like the coaches start talking to the coach of West. Like, Who is that boy? I didn't see him play with you guys last year. 
you know? And that was David Meadows' team. You know, the guy who called. Uh, oh, yeah, so I know. He, Yeah, because he doesn't remember. He doesn't know me. He never seen me play. All he knows is that some kid come for tryout. They pick him out. It wasn't his decision. So he's not going to pick up a player that he didn't see. So now I'm playing against him. So right when the game was over, lost. You gotta remember, lost have more money for the professional club, the division one. So you know, one day one somebody, you can't say no. True. So, so then, Wascal haven't made decision yet because they haven't really seen me in the game. They see me at training, so now they invite me to play the game. So they're waiting to see. As soon as the game is by, it, the game wasn't even over. My dad was watching the game. Before you know it, I looked, my dad is nowhere to find. I was like, where did he go? And I looked at him, he was at the office. They dragged my dad into the office, and they wanted my, me to sign right there. Wow, on the spot. Then, was yeah, this for the U-17? Was this no, for the youth they, team they, or the professional? U-14. Okay. Yeah, well, I mean, mind you, over there, anything youth, I don't professional academy, it's a big deal because you get paid when you're U15, you get contract if you're U15, you get paid. Like they give you allowance. They give you anywhere from 3,000 francs, uh, which was euros, so how many euros is that? Probably somewhere close to 600 euros now. You know? And that was U15 was, was, yeah. a, was, getting, was getting paid. So Yeah, it's called, you... a, it's called an it's called aspirant professional. So basically what it is is like, when, uh, when you're trying to become professional, uh, when you reach U15, you can get a schoolboy contract. It's called, it's called, the best way I can translate that is called schoolboy contract. It's an allowance that allows you to do whatever you want. It's like, it like, it basically it's an allowance, you know, but it's a, it's a contract which allows them to take care of you if you got an injury or anything like that, because now you become a product that they're investing in. So that contract show that they care about you. They're going to do everything to make sure you become professional. So you want to get that contract. If you don't have that contract, yeah, they can let you go anytime. But when you have that contract, they take care of you. Yeah, right? like I'm the big deal now. Like, exactly. They, they've invested in you at that point. They're going... Correct. Correct. Okay. So then... When I was with Wascal, they make me sign a contract just to have a license with them, not not prefer, not like schoolboy contract. Like because once you sign that that pass, you you stuck with them for a year, right? Even if it's not contract, it's not like here in the United States, you can live in the middle of the season. No, 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 no. Over there, once you got license with one team for one season, you have to stay there until the end of the season. So meaning from August to the next uh, May or June. So they wanted me to sign because the Lille was angry about me. And so they didn't want, because you know, if Lille comes to me, you know I'm going to say, all right, <laughs> yeah, I'm going to you. So I didn't know that. But they know that because the Lille start asking them. So yeah, there's some kind of protocol. Yeah, there's some kind of protocol between clubs. You know, when they're interested in a player, they talk to you. Because especially the professional club, you can't say no because they will give you some money, right? So, one, they found out that Lily was asking about me. And then, Wascal was trying to be a big powerhouse, too. So, obviously, they're not willing to let it go some of the youth players to Lily. 
But then, um, anyway, they convinced my dad. And my dad said, okay, that's fine, but here's the deal. You guys are going to come pick him up from home. I'm not going to drive him to no game. I'm not going to drive him to practice. <laughs> I'm not going to pay no fee. Uh, you guys are going to find him soccer cleats, soccer shoes, everything. They're like, yeah, whatever you want. <laughs> whatever you want. Yeah. That's a good so that's my, yeah, so my dad negotiated that. That's it. So my dad signed the paper, and that's it. Um, I was going to play for Wascal now. So then we played them in the season. Twice. I scored against them three times. Uh, the first time we beat them on our house, we two. I scored two goals. We went to the house. We tied two two. I scored one goal. And after the season 1994, Lusk request to uh, to um, to get me. Like they've been calling my house. You know they've been calling, and I was like, Dad, I want to go there. My dad was like, No, 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 no. Don't go. Listen, this is not how it works. Until they offer you schoolboy contra, don't go. You know me. I didn't care. I want to go. And that, oh was the first mis- that was the first mistake I made in my career. You see, I think there's something about human beings. Uh, we can all agree. When people invest the money in you, they don't want their money to go waste. But when they have you for free, then that's they don't care if yeah, something happens. They, they take it for yep. granted, yep. So that was the first mistake I made. I did not listen to my dad. He was right. He's like, listen, wait, wait. So in my team, there were two of us. My friend, his name is Jose Saez. If you Google him, you will see he played professional for Balenciennes. He played professional in France. So that year, they want me and him. And his dad said, no, he's not going to go. And me... My dad didn't know a whole lot about soccer, so but at least he knew about business. So he advised me to not go until they offer contract. I said no. So my dad kind of let me because, you know, he doesn't want to disappoint his son. And since he didn't care much for soccer, he was like, hey, this is his thing. If you want to go, let him go. So anyway, long story short, I signed in Lille, 1996. And uh, the preseason was in July. And... At that year, we have all the top professional academy uh, tournament in Angers, which is a city of France. All the two of the best 12 professional academy get to play in that tournament. They get invited. Um, so uh, my dad went to a vacation in India. I didn't go because I have to stay home alone behind for the preseason. I mean, I don't want to lose my spa. Uh, they have like 26 players. For 14 spy every weekend, they recruit all the best players from the region. So yeah, that was uh, my experience at the Lille, and uh, it was great. One of the greatest in that in that season. We went to Italy. Uh, we played this tournament over there in Biella. We played the final against uh, um, Sampdoria. Uh, we played against a team like Chelsea, Juventus. Um, also, oh. <laughs> Juventus, and also uh, Dr. Moon. We play Dr. Borussia, Dr. Moon. Uh, they, we play semifinal. We play against Juventus, lost in the final, uh, semifinal. Uh, we won the semifinal PK. 
went to the championship against Sampdoria, beat them two to one, and then we a champion. It was kind of a big deal. Uh, it was one of the top tournaments. Then in Lille, we went to this tournament. We finished third place. Lance was there. We were on the bus with Lance, after Lance. Uh, Ice Can was there. Uh, Lyon was there. Uh, PSG was there. I mean, all of the top major club in France was in that tournament. Lance ended up winning the whole thing. Uh, they beat Ice Can in the final. And then we beat Lyon. If I'm, I'm remember very well, Lyon or Le Havre, we beat them in the uh, third place. So we finished, and the Lance and Lee don't like each other. So you can imagine they put a Lance and play and a little play in the same bus. <laughs> it was like a major disaster. I'm the only one who was trying to get both sides to be peaceful. And I remember I was the best friend during that trip, one of the players from Lance. And, um, it was a great experience. And that year, we went on win the French National Championship for the under U15. Um, during those times, my dad didn't want me to go to practice on Monday because he wanted me to take care of my homework. And we have practice every day. So the only time I get to miss practice, um, they, they didn't let me play. So that's in nutshell. Um, I mean, that story can be forever, but just to cut a show, that's kind of my soccer experience from Togo to France, France. you know. Okay, okay. Sorry for it being long because, you know. There's, there's a lot of memories there, of course, of course. Though. Yes, yes, yes. So <laughs> but, I figured it, it would make it interesting to tell all the sad story that make the story standing alone. You know? Absolutely. Yeah, that's, that's what we like because you're a different type of, uh, there's some over perspective that people don't really see. And uh, yeah. we either see the beauty or we see a uh, black and white, but it's good to see yeah. all the different part of uh, that make the journey of a soccer players, right? So there are a lot of things yeah. that get involved, the economics get involved. I mean, the contract signing, which is very important. And also, you know, the pressure of the parents, right? The parents focus and priority is always uh, school. So, uh, you know, it's not really a professional career. So to see those yeah. two pulling each other in two directions, you know, your will, your desire, and your dad who also wants, you know, you to grow because he loves you, but also think about your priority as a, you know, what's, it's valuable in our economical works, you know, so it's good to see those two aspects uh, you presented. Yeah, I know, and, and that note, uh, just to prove that my dad was right, remember I talked about with this IS that they wanted me and him yeah, yep, to yep. move to Lille, and then I went for free, right? Yeah. And then he went the next year. So I left in 1996, and he left in 1997 with Contra, right? He yeah. said, no, the first year. The second year, now Lille come back and put, give him a schoolboy Contra. Now that's how he become professional, because now they're investing in him, and that's how he makes, excuse me, his career and me. Oh, I got sick and injured, and they let me go. And then and I got hired in Belgium to sign my first professional contract. And then I got injured two days before I signed my first professional contract in Belgium. I was 17 years old. This was back in 2000. And then um, that was it. So I decided to move to the United States because I always want to live in the United States and, and then come over here. And, and so my dad said, what are you going to come do in the United States? And I said, hey, I'm going to come in here and... Uh, 
be a soccer coach. So that was it. And my dad approved that. And I left France. Um, since I didn't sign uh, in Belgium, then and I started my journey in November 2000 to come to the United States. Mm, okay. So you didn't go back to Waska right after uh, your experience with the LOSC, Leo? I, I did. I did. I kind of skipped that a little bit because, okay, like yeah, I said, yeah, 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 I, I, went back, I went back for because when I left the lead, I go back to Waskow, and yeah. then they recruited me again. They recruited oh, yeah? Me again. Yeah, they recruited me again. Again? I'm the yeah, I'm the 17 because I got mad. Um, when I left, I left the lead. Waskow recruited me. Waskow wanted me because they saw that uh, toward the end of the season, when they become French national champion, uh, Waskow noticed that they did not use me that much. Obviously, you know how it is. When the player didn't play, he's not happy. The most of the club, they use that as an opportunity to recruit a player. It happened at professional level. If of you don't course. play, if you don't play, yeah. you're yeah. good. You're not playing. Come to us, you will play. Yeah. You know? And yeah. obviously, yeah. what all of us want to do, we want to play. play. Especially when you're young, right? Yeah. Because the money is not yeah. a factor yeah. at that time. No. So, Waskal recruited me back again. And I played one great season with Waskal, and guess what? Lead wanted you. <laughs> yeah, it's funny you say that because I just have a, I just have a message from my coach in Waskal. He his birthday was yesterday, and I say happy oh, birthday, nice. coach. And then he responded back to me. He's like, "Hi, thanks for my my big striker." You know, because I I was like, <laughs> I was deadly, I was deadly up top. I mean. So anyway, they recruited me again because I have another great season. Because Waskal and Lille are all in the same league. Yeah. So they see each other. You know, as soon as somebody did good. So anyway, so I went back there and that's so why I got So did you sign, sick. when you went back, did you sign a professional contract though? No, I did not sign a professional contract. But it was like literally promised to me because uh, what he said. He said, listen, uh, this is what he said. And I think it was fair. He said that I'm a, um, we want you uh, for the national team, but we run out of the number of money we can give, okay? Uh, but here's the deal. If you're that good, if you think good, because this is you 17, right? Yeah. So you're yep. 17, you're pretty, much, you're pretty much there. So Jean-Michel Van Damme said, listen, if you come any good, you're going to remember, you will have a opportunity to play for the reserve team, Okay, and you're gonna be more exposed, and this is a big deal. Um, and if you play for the U17, you play in the league. Even if we don't sign you, all the club might sign you. Is not what you want? So he gave me a lot of good argument that makes sense because you want to be exposed, right? Yep. Um. So so recently I will be more exposed. So then they didn't give me a contract, but they pro a lot of things that I promised because they run out of money that they can give. They have a certain amount of money they can give to players. And they run out of that quota. So I was more excited for the challenge. And that year, I got injured. I got sick for six months. And wow. then I couldn't, I couldn't breathe. It was kind of mysterious sickness. Um, that's a, a whole new story on his own. But it was a different kind of story. It was uh, rather more spiritual from what the doctor said to me because the doctor couldn't find out what was wrong with me. They put a camera on my throat for six months. I was like asthmatic. You know, because I had so much somebody who run out of it. And but I wasn't born asthmatic. 
I don't have no asthma. It, it's gone now. That's why they say it was spiritual because they did all kind of medical examination and they couldn't find anything. They threw a camera on my throat. You name it, they did it for six months. I was a, a CR share of Lille, which is like the big hospital um, in the region. Um, say I share Hospital Hospital, yeah, they say I share uh, the Lille to connect. You know that? Um, yeah, yeah. Our uh, uncle was working there, so you. of course. Yeah. <laughs> they, they say those of you speak French, you will know exactly what I'm talking about. Yep. Anyway, so that was it. And um, after six months, it just disappeared, just like that. So that's where I lost my uh, thing with loss. So that's why sometimes you say in life, things happen, it's a matter of loss. So because of the promise, all these things, I couldn't compete. Yeah. For the whole part of the season, I couldn't compete from like January to pretty much May. I couldn't compete. So then I give a contract to somebody who's sick. I mean, let's be honest. Yep, no? Yeah, yeah, there's so much talent out there. It's a competitive world. Exactly, exactly. So then that's when uh, I end up going to Belgium because the coach of Belgium, that take Calais, I say Calais to the French Cup final against the Nantes in 1998 or 99. I can't remember. That year, there's a coach, and he know me. He, he keep eyes on a French player. As you know, Belgium is a very small country. So all the little kids that are good and that could not break into the first division team in France, usually Belgium take them, you know? Like Belgium player, most of them are the player that could make a sign contract in France. So then they took me for division three in Belgium and I was doing really good. And then I was gonna sign a contract there. And then, and, uh, like I said, two days before I signed my contract, I tore my tendon. And that was in 2000, August 2000. I tore my tendon. I graduated from high school. Uh, my dad, that was the deal to me and my dad. My dad said, hey, if you want to play professional, you have to finish your college, uh, your high school. After that, you can do whatever you want. The reason why he said this was, remember the tournament I mentioned to you about in, the Bel in Italy? Yeah, Borussia Dortmund scouted me in that tournament and they wanted me. So Borussia Dortmund called my house. They've been calling my house for me to move to go try out in Germany. Wow. And then in Germany, and my dad said no. My dad said no, you're not going anywhere. If you're good, you will still be good enough when you graduate from high school. And then your talent is not going to go anywhere. But I urge you to finish your high school first. And then you will be 18 by then. They can come back and get you, but you're not leaving. To go to another country, you don't speak the language. What if you got injured and then all that and, you know, your school? So he was right. Obviously, it was tough, but it was right. Okay. So, that so was as it. you're reflecting over, over it, you think that was a good decision then? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Definitely was a good decision. Look, uh, the perfect example is I was ready to sign my first contract in Belgium, okay, in 2000. I was going to sign my first contract, and guess what happened? I tore my tendon. And so because I did not sign the contract before I tore my tendon, the Belgian team also told me, I think club has told me, they won't take care of me. So my dad is a uh, medical health insurance, was the one who was taking care of me, right? Yeah. Just because I did not sign the contract. If I had signed the contract, it would be a different story. I didn't, so they just dropped me just like a fly. So... So looking at that experience, and before, then my dad was right. Because even though 
they did a schoolboy contract that only lasts three years. And if you got injured after that three years, they won't renew it. So my dad said, hey, get your high school diploma. Your talent will be there. You'll be still playing a decent club here in Lille. You know, so I was like, why is it a rush to go to Dortmund when you play for Lille? I mean, come on, you're already part of professional youth academy. Yeah. You know? yep. And if you go to Dortmund, if you go to Dortmund, it's not like they're going to sign me pro right away. It's just, I'm just <laughs> going to be another prospect and then in the academy. Yeah, yeah. I'll no, so, so that was it. But then that's it. When I got injured, I said, I told my dad, I said, you know what, dad? I'm leaving. Yeah, you you're leaving where? I said, well, I'm going to America. I always, I never care about friends anyway. I only want to live in the United States. He's like, what <laughs> you going to go do in the United States? And I was like, well, for starter, soccer is growing there. And then I love coaching. So I'm going to go to be one of the, um, the top soccer uh, coach over there. So he's like, okay, you know what? I like your ambition. I will sign your passport so you can go to the United States. And then on November 2000, and I started my road trip to the United States in 2003, I finally won the green card. So since January 9, 2003, I am USA resident, and I've been in the United States since then, and coaching and playing and you name it. So yes, that was it. That was my youth, a little bit of story. Oh, that's great. That's great. It was a good perspective. So now to the great America. So, uh, so you came here. You thinking about like, I mean, the MLS was getting, was getting it, it some momentum, right? I mean, 2000 was, was getting some momentum though. I mean, Pele played here. I mean, he was in ANLS or something like that. It was, it was pretty big, but I think he came at the time when it was just starting to grow. Because you yeah. were here, you said, you said 2000, right? Yeah, and 2000 was the first 2000. time I came to New York. I came to New York. My idea was just to live in the United States and coach. Because you're going to remember, since I was with uh, Lost in France, uh, Rascal, uh, in, in Europe, they allow you to learn while you're playing to recycle yourself to either referee or coach, right? So they offered me at Wascal which one I would like to be because, you know, every club has some kind of pool of referee and then they're trying to recycle every player to become potential coach. As you know, not all of us are going to become pro, you know, but there's other job in the soccer, like a referee, coaching. So they introduced me to the idea of coaching and I love coach, so I decided to be a coach, so I started getting some, uh, I call it, introduction to coaching lifestyle when I was uh, 13, 14. So I used to coach uh, a, U, uh, a U6 and a U7 of Wascal. Every Wednesday, I would go train them while I was playing. So, so as you can see, coaching was already embedded in me. So when I got injured, for me, I was going to come to America to coach. So my dad said, why? I said, well, soccer is growing here. And then they don't, they don't know anything or everything about soccer as we do here in Europe. So it would be good to have somebody who leave the European system and then, and then bring my contribution. So that was my reasoning. So my dad said, you know what? I like it. So that's why I come over here. I was in New York and I remember um, 
I came and I was trying to like to try out for like a, a metro star of New York, but then I didn't know how to go about it. <laughs> yeah, I didn't know how to go about it. I contacted them. They asked me if I have an uh, agent. I said no. I said I just said I said I'm good. You know what I mean, you guys just give me a chance. You see, you want to get it, you know, it doesn't work that way. <laughs> so, but then. I just keep going back for Then when I left and then I came back in 2001, that was the year, the same time that September 11 happened. And so I was in this time, I was in Los Angeles area. I came and visit this girl, you know, that I was trying to move to the United States with. All about love. <laughs> so, so anyway, so I was there for two weeks. I was there for two weeks. And then they live right next to Rose Ball, okay? And Rose Bowl, that's where uh, LA Galaxy used to train. So Los Angeles Galaxy, they used to train right next to Rose Bowl. But then because they live nearby, I will go take a walk around to, to see. So one day, I remember I approached them. They, oh, one morning, I, I just went because I used to play soccer over there, jungle and things like that. So I went to uh, this, he's Mexican, the coach, forget his name back then. And I said, hey, I would like to play with you guys. And then he's like, yeah, I saw you juggle there. You seem pretty good. He's like, where are you from? And I was like, well, I'm from France. He's like, what are you doing here? I said, well, I'm visiting a friend, but I play for Leaders Academy, and then I would like to, to move to the United States and play. He's like, well, why? I said, well, I like the lifestyle here in the United States. It's not just about soccer, but it gives a lot of opportunity. So, and then he's like, yeah. I can be related. I moved from Mexico to come here, so I see what you mean. And I was like, well, can I play with you guys? He was like, sure. But then I remember, like, I went to one of the classes. It was, like, early morning. They just kind of juggling up the ball around. And then Kobe John was there. He was, like, the only person that was actually really nice to me. And then they, they didn't know me. Like, they were just messing up around before the regular practice. So I joined them. They play monkey in the middle of it, and then they play some small side, keep away, and then, you know, I did good. So anyway, the coach come to me, he's like, yeah, you, you're not bad. He's like, listen, I say, well, how do I join you? He's like, I say, I don't have an agent. He's like, well, I tell you what, he gave me this number. He's like, call him, call it. it's a New York number. He said, call it. That's a MLS is a, a headquarter. Uh, we run out of we run out the quota of a foreign that we can have. But you're really good. Here's my number. Uh, he called them and then tell them that if there's any club that's looking to draft a player. This was in August 2001. And they're in the middle of the season already. Yeah, go ahead. It looks like you're going to ask questions, uh, Aris. Hello, we cutting. Can you guys hear me? Can you hear me? Patrick, yes. can you hear me? Okay. So yeah, you're gonna, I can hear you. As I tell you, you're going to ask a question, Aris, but that means I call. So. Um, anyway, so that's when I called. Um, I was supposed to call, but I didn't. Honestly, I didn't call because I didn't have money to make a long-distance call. <laughs> so, so he gave me the number. He said to call them and ask them that. If there's any MLS team that doesn't have enough quota of foreign players, because I, I don't have, I'm only French, I have French passport, I don't have anything. 
And then he said to give him his name. His number said that he saw me play. He recommended me. And then maybe the commissioner or whatever, whoever, will contact one of the clubs that is looking for players. And that was it. And I remember I left. I never called because I couldn't afford it to call. And then um, I decided to leave Los Angeles. That was on September 11th. The same day the 9-11 happened, I was on an airplane heading to France. Um, so yeah, it was a kind of wild story, but anyway, so that was a little bit of my uh, beginning experience in, um, in, uh, United States. Then I played a green card lottery back in 2001 and then I won and then I moved here finally on the January 9, 2003 in Alaska. And then I decided to coach over there. I was coaching over there. I was coaching over there. And then some guy saw me, he's like, hey, you're good. Why don't you play for college? And I look at him, I say, hey, do you have money for it? Because I don't have money to go to college. So will you pay for it? And he's like, no, 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 no. Here in the United States, they give you scholarship. You can play. You're so good. You need to I like, my English is bad. He's like, don't worry. You can take English test, you know. So I was like, okay. So I started taking SAT. Then I send a letter out to a lot of college in the United States. Um, they said, I didn't even have video, nothing. I just tell them my background and every club wanted me. I remember flying to Tennessee, Nashville to play for this school over there. I tried out for them. It was an NIA school. They offered me a lot of money. But academically, I wasn't still eligible. And I just keep on just playing, just playing. Finally, in 2006, um, after I went to come back from a Togo national team that's different, but anyway. So then I decided to really pursue my college. So I sent a letter again, a lot of D1, a lot of people respond back to me. And then Fullerton State, which is Division One in, in Southern California, um, they agreed to have me. So, they, so I drive all the way to... Uh, from Nevada, I was in Nevada back then. I drove from Nevada to California, California to try out for the Fullerton team, but then they say like, well, um, the NCAA clearinghouse did not clear my uh, eligibility, so I couldn't play for them. But he hooked me up for this NIA school, and he said, hey, you know what, play for them, and maybe once you get your grades up, everything, we can transfer you. Um, to come play for us. So I went there, played for Hope International University. It's an NI school. I did pretty good there. Um, then, uh, I think this is kind of backward, but I guess the story just kind of overlap. So I got called for Togo National Team back in 2005. Yeah, I wanted to hear that part. So how did they reach out to you uh, at that time? How did it go? I was really interested to know. Okay, so because I was in the United States uh, in 2003, um, every year I go to Togo, I organize soccer tournament. I would okay. play in uh, my famous my famous school, where we call it Solidarity. So every... Every everybody who plays, if you play professional in Togo, at some point you must play in Token Solidarité because it's like the spa where everybody when they come back home, that's where they play. Everybody go. Adebayo, I even have picture of Adebayo play in a, 
and it's so questionable that it's there. So like, it's like the spot. So, I mean, I was done playing soccer, to be honest with you. I was done. For me, it was just about coaching. And it, it, was, it was all about coaching for me. I don't know. Soccer was passion, but I love coach. So when I went back to Togo, where I was playing Togo Solidarité, as you know, everybody comes there. All the big fish. Yeah. Even the Togo, national, the Togo national coach also come there. So then I was playing, and then the assistant coach, um, both of them, uh, rest in peace, his name is Timothy. He came to watch the game, one of the friendly games, and he saw me. And he was like, Dad, at the end of the game, he approached me. He was like, you're so fast with the ball. You're very good. Where are you from? What club you play for? We never hear about you. <laughs> I, said, <laughs> I said, I'm a just a coach. He's like, get out of here. I said, no, it's okay. You can tell us. I'm not going to. You know, what club you play for? What professional club you play for? I said, I'm telling you, I'm just coaching Alaska. He's like, okay, now, you, now you're pushing it. <laughs> I said, I'm serious. So anyway, long story short, he's like, okay. Uh, we are looking for a good player. You're very fast. You're good. You see the game. You have great vision. Uh, you're a team player. Everything that Keshi is looking for, so... Yeah. Uh, we and remind, remind us, Ramu, you're playing number seven, right? Or were you more nine? Or what do you mean? I am more nine. A nine, okay. I am more nine. Okay. I, am nine more, yeah. <laughs> I am more, yeah. I am more tough to strike it. Uh, All but right. I like to defend too, so I pressure a lot. And I, I like the space because I'm very fast, so I, I like to have the ball in the space and run. So. Okay. Anyway, so then yeah. he signed me, and then he said, well, I'm going to tell the coach. I want you to come play for Togo. I said, listen, don't waste my time. I already come back in 1998 when I was playing for Lille. They offered me to play for Togo National U17 team. And then I've been waiting. You guys never send the Togo passport, so I'm not going to waste my time with you guys. You guys are not organized, so don't waste my time. He's like, no, 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 I'm sorry. I'm the assistant coach for the national coach. He's Stephen Keshi in Nigeria. He's very serious. So... You know, if you want, I will talk to him. I say, yeah, whatever. It's whatever you want, man. Right. So I didn't take him serious. I was like, you know, I hear you. So anyway, because every Saturday we play, so then he tells Stephen Keshi. So Stephen Keshi came to the Tokyo Solidarity. I didn't know about it. Um, he drives, and he went behind there. There's like this little, okay, uh, I don't know. They put like this wall around the school. Yeah. So drive. To go out on the school in his car and then he kind of claimed when nobody because he didn't want people to see him i didn't know either he's the one who was telling me this so he was watching us play with uh, timothy and timothy identified who i was so then he watched me play and then after they called me so i went to stephen Tish's house he lived right next to your parents house i know yeah he was right i was about to say he was not far from us yeah. i used to see him walking uh, back and forth yeah and and he was yeah. a big player from the Nigeria team too, so I wanted to remind yeah. our audience that uh, he was a he was a great player. Yeah, he was a great player. He played for the Nigeria team in 1996 uh, Olympic game in the United States. Uh, yeah, they won when out. they won, right? Exactly. When with Kanu Okosha, all those guys, Abukashi, <laughs> hey, the golden guys, man. <laughs> the big, the big names. <laughs> oh, oh yeah, uh, I think he was the captain. He was the captain. So. Okay, awesome, awesome. 
So he called yeah, you yeah, and you guys were talking, eh? Yeah, so he called me. So that was like, you know, I was hanging out that time. I could hang out a lot to your house, you know, because yep. I was in. I was staying uh, when I came back. I was staying with your family anyway. So yep, yep. But then, so then he called me. So down that street, I went, and then uh, we sit down in the Keshi's villa that he was renting, and then we start talking. He's like, "Listen, you're very good." Um, he asked me what I was. I say I live in Alaska. He's like Alaska. He's like, "Okay, for starters, <laughs> you can't be." <do> <laughs> He's like, "You can't be the national team playing for Al- in Alaska. You have to go." You have to leave, you know. So um, that was it. So he told me, I said, okay, I will leave. He said, okay, listen, I'm going to be calling you in December to come to the camp for the preparation for the African Nation Cup in Egypt. Uh, and then I'm going to take care of you and then try to find your club in Europe. You are very good, but you need some guidance. And I think I can help you. Uh, and he's like, don't worry, you will be going to World Cup. If I'm the coach, you will be going to World Cup, so don't worry, because you have something that I can definitely use. I watch you play. You it, it show that you have good uh, academy training. You know, yeah, you know good football. foundations. Yeah. Yeah. So, so I was like, thank you. So then I left. So then I came back to the United States. I moved out of Alaska in August 2005. <laughs> I contact some club in Low 48, and then this this a PDL team in Nevada. They call it Nevada Wonder. I reach out to them. And then they like me. They flew me there to see me in action and also coach. And they like me, so they offered me a job. So I took all my stuff. Now, August 2005, moved out of Alaska to go to Nevada. And in December 2005, they called me. I moved. I went to Frank, uh, to Togo. Stayed there for about two months. Yeah, I remember mm-hmm. that time. I remember when you were yeah. still with us, man. <laughs> And going to practice with the national team there, like I remember. Yeah. I think I actually came one time to see you guys at the the yeah, Municipal yeah, Stadium. Stadium. Yeah, 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 yeah. 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 So, so that was it. it. Was very good. It was a good experience. Um, I play. I did good. I remember I did by time, and you know I was just chilling. And I remember I take one time I take the ball. I start juking people, and then Stephen Kish like, "What are you doing? What do you mean?" He's like. This is not how the game is played. It's not because you can juke people that you're going to do for fun. You juke when it's needed. You pass that ball and you move. Stop messing up out on here. And I said, he was right. He was very good coach. He, he was, was very, very good coach. You know, he knew how to get the best out of people. Uh, he kept he kept tremendously. Um, so anyway, and then I did. They brought 16 people. Uh, he was trying to find the best match because I – African qualification is one thing. Going to World Cup is another thing. So I feel like yep. he was looking for a player that was experienced, player that played, I would say, academic football, you know, not street football. He was yep. looking for those. Um, so he kicked two, five of us, because I didn't have, I remember I told you in the story, I don't have Togo passport. So in order for me to play for Togo, I need Togo passport. And I remember, you know, it's essentially to the national team. It was easy. I was born in Togo. So they make sure that I went to, uh, how you call it? Anyway, he selected me among the five people that he kept from his group. And then uh, they asked me, they sent me to the uh, ministry to get Togo passport. So I got my first Togo passport, you know, and that was it. So I was excited. He told me, he said, listen, I'm not going to take you to African Nation Cup in Egypt, but in March of 2006, um, we're going to have a camp in France. 
I will invite you. You will train there. Everybody will see you. And that way we'll give you time to move out of Alaska. And that way when we show your profile, your profile will be worth, you know, it will be more presentable for me to be playing in low 48 than playing Alaska. And that way when I call you for the national team, you will have some kind of background and it will be a lot easier for people to, uh, to, to accept you. I was like, okay. And then it was good. And then, and, you know, as you know, the story goes, him and Adebayo didn't get along at the African Nation Cup. And then he got let go. And then they hired this German coach that said, hey, if you're not playing in Europe, at least in Division Two, you will not be going to World Cup. And then as you know, that I'll go my lot. So I end up yeah, not going to. Yeah, there's a lot of story I remember behind that. Uh, you know, I think you're saying that Kishi has his own players that he wanted to bring to. So it yeah. all was going, man. Like everyone wanted to get their their, their share out of Togo going to the World okay. Cup for the first time. So it just created a mess. But, you know, we were all grateful for Kishi, man. Like, like yeah. taking that yeah. team for, to the World Cup. I remember those times. It was amazing, man. It was, it was great. It was great. So I would like to make a request because I'm going to get another call. Um, if uh, we can schedule another podcast, maybe you guys can uh, call this in two pieces. I don't know. Um, Absolutely. Okay. Then, yeah. yeah. Actually, hey, can, can, I, because I don't want to, because I don't want to also butcher the story. I mean, people want to hear a story and then, you know, if they, I just cut it just to tell them things. I think uh, it's not good just to tell people to make an enumeration of things. I feel like it's good to give people uh, the the background that most people don't know, don't see. You know, we see things the way they are, but we don't we don't really know how it happens. So for me, it's very important to tell the whole story and not rush it. So um, I was going to say that. Um, first of all, I apologize because my phone was dying and my charger wasn't working so i'm gonna be honest after it got from after it got to right when you started talking about the galaxy it yeah. your the connection and my connection started going frantic and i was having trouble hearing so i'm gonna be honest okay. i think it's better if we do when we do a second part if we go from there to the present time and then we just okay. do another thing where we go and take another hour. That way you can say about everything that happened and we don't yeah. feel like, cause I, I just feel like, like you said, I think it's better if we can't, if we don't rush. Cause the first half I could hear everything perfectly. Then the second half yeah. I started hearing like static in the background. And I just, yeah. I, I think it's better if we do that, but I, yeah, I, I think so. I think uh, I think uh, uh, what's the name? Uh, uh, my cousin break this thing to to four part, and honestly, I think the first part was a good. Uh, the yeah. part. I think we need to have a, a fourth podcast because again, that's a lot of story. It's it is a lot. It's a lot because you you as I told Patrick before, your story and group, everything we're touching, you know, and because you leave all yeah. those parts of the journey. So, uh, <laughs> so now, yeah, now that I'm thinking about it, that's true. Yeah. It's technically four people we're touching right now. So, yeah. I never do hair stats. 
that 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 your cousin was the one with the uncle and Leo. As soon as you started saying everything, I was trying so uh, hard not no, to laugh. No, that's not that's, that's 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 not him though. But uh, that's another also, cousin. That's so another that's cousin. My, my yeah. uncle. That's my uncle. Yeah, that's my uncle. He was with my uncle. Both of them even live. So. He was yeah. with my, my, my dad is a dad. So, yeah. yeah. So anyway, there's so much story that I think uh, uh I think for the most part, um everything until I get my visa, you know, to move to France, I think those are good. Yep. Um okay. but, but coming to USA, the international experience, yeah, which is mixed with my one. college experience. I think yeah. and then EMC and Rush, my coaching experience. That's like a whole new gigantic chapter in his own. So I think it's not fair to group all of that because once the story is out, you can't really tell it to people anymore. So you need to be on the That's true. No, I agree. Yeah, no, let's break it down in, I think, the three. Now we have the U for the way to France. Then we'll do the the international experience plus your... your, Yeah, international. We will do USA, NCAA. NCAA yep. makes way for, you know, international experience and then the coaching part because like, once I'm coaching, that's, you know, then we don't that's talk about playing one. anymore. Yeah. yeah, exactly, exactly. Yeah, no, I agree. So that would be that period from 2000, 2000 to 2001 all the way to 2007, right? Uh, your, yeah, 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 2007, yeah, yeah, 2007. After that, I try out for MLS too, which is, you know, yeah, uh, you told me that it's Sounders. I want to hear that, you know. And also, there's so many things I wanted to ask, but I didn't want to interrupt. Like, even at the beginning, you know, who was your yeah. favorite player when you're trying to become a, a soccer yeah. coach? Creation, when you're playing in France, Olufade, Olufade, all those guys. Did you see them? You know, like... No, no, no. It was Thierry Henry. Thierry Henry was my favorite player because I play like him. I just push the ball and run. So, yeah. So, anyway... Let's Definitely, let's save all that. I think uh, the story is captivating. I mean, sometimes when I'm telling the story, I can't believe myself that this crazy thing happened to me. <laughs> <laughs> no, that's yeah, awesome. Well, yeah. well, thank you very much again for your time. We really thank appreciate you. it. Yeah, we'll set, up, uh, we'll set up some time yeah, to do the second part. Message. Yeah, send me a message. Um, let's do the second part. And then the third part, that way we can take the time to elaborate the topic because... Uh, uh, because we have all this compile, we feel like I feel like I have to jump and sometimes leave some stuff out. Yep. And then and as I talk about one and I go back, I was like, you know, yeah. it's just to take time to do it. I mean, it gives you guys more content to also put on your stuff. You never know. Some of these stories story might interest some people and they want to oh, hear more, sure. you know. For sure. Absolutely. <laughs> I was dying. It was so funny. I was like, I was. <laughs> Because there would be like 10 things. I was like, I was like, you hear us. I was like, I've got 20 questions, but I'm like, he's on roll. I'm not going to let, I'm like, I can't let we'll, us stop. We'll make sure, we'll make sure we interrupt him next yeah. time. So we'll yeah, yeah. But next time, I think next time, next time you need to, we need, you need to come and ask questions because this is a conversation, you know, I don't yeah, want to, exactly. I hate, I hate podcasts. I hate podcasts to be so like, uh, so, yeah, it just become it's a more you know, People, yeah, people love things that are natural, right? Yep. Even if I'm telling a story, which is fine, but I just like any conversation, you know, when I say something, it's going to click something. You want to know more, you know? Exactly. Just like, okay, so just jump right, in. Okay. Yeah. yeah, jump in and say, hey, Rambo, hey, I want you to tell it. When you finish this, I want to hear more about this. You know, how did you get by this? 
But yeah. then, you know, it, it, it's conversation. Conversation is more fun than just like, you know, keep repeating and just to be too protocol. Yeah. yeah. No, we agree. Sounds good, Ramo. We want, I know you got a jump on another yeah. call, so we'll let you go. So thanks yeah, again thank for joining. You, Nice to meet you, man. Nice don't worry. I'm going to tell you all about it. Even, even off of a podcast, don't worry. <laughs> and I'm out. Sounds good, man. Cheers, brother. Have a good weekend. Cheers, you, you too. Bye-bye. Thanks. Bye-bye. Cheers, mate.